Oh, Des Moines. Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Live from the Wild Rose Casino and Resort Jefferson Studios. You'd rather be here. This is 1460 KXNO. Keep up with KXNO on Twitter and Facebook. Go to KXNO.com to learn more. From 1460 KXNO. Hi, welcome back. Miller and Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Iowa State President Wendy Winterstein sounding very presidential. We cannot let the actions of a few individuals bring an end to something that is so positive for our state. We cannot, and we haven't ignored the actions that were reported after the game. She is committed to continuing the Cyhawk series. So that's, she's apparently the first to speak. We will uh, follow along on Twitter and see if anything noteworthy, newsworthy uh, comes out of it. Boy, I was just talking to Ross Peterson in the hallway, who's yep. back from his fishing trip. I'm envious, Trent. Well, you have to leave Ankeny in order to go yeah, on to one Canada's, of these fish- no, Yeah, you do, don't you? Yeah, you, you can't just... The pond's not going to come to you. No, I know. The lake's not going to come to you. This slow day, he said he was catching 40 walleyes on a slow day. You have been invited free of charge to an SEC game of your choice mm-hmm. by a friend, Bam Bob. Mm-hmm. You won't go. Ken, you're 60. It's time to spread your wings and fly a little mm-hmm. bit. Mm-hmm. People want you to go to places. You're a fun guy. Yeah. No, I've been out and about mm-hmm. with you. You're right. Have we ever even shared a beer together? Well, I think you're getting a little bit in too in depth here, taking people behind the curtain. Well, come on. Have we ever had a beer together? Yeah, we must have, haven't we? I don't think so. Haven't we? No. I probably say that a lot about a lot of people, though. I mean, I, how many events do I do in Ankeny every year? High school games? Stop over afterwards? At least hoist one? Hmm? Come on. But come on. back to my original point. <laughs> I have you very 40, uncomfortable. You over do there. forty fish on a slow day. That's crazy. Good for Ross. Sounds yes. like they had a lot of fun uh, on his trip, and what a great week to be gone. And he's back. He is back. Um, and he thought this firestorm would blow over by the time he'd be back. Well, he didn't even. It was. I mean, it exploded while he was gone, though. Right. right? So Jamie Pollard is up now, stressing that Iowa State took this seriously from the moment they heard the complaints from Iowa. Did everything possible to try to try and resolve the situation as timely and efficiently as possible. Something happened. Something clearly happened. I don't sure. think you make that stuff up, especially the winning team, mm-hmm. right? If if this was. I don't even know if that if that factors into things or not, but um, I don't know. Something happened, but it sounds like Iowa State and the governor firmly on board. Didn't sound like that from uh, Bruce Harold yesterday. Well, I think he wanted he wanted to show support to the band, something that the athletic department didn't. So was he rubbing Barta's nose in it, or this is the way you should have handled this? I think so. I absolutely believe so. I think that was more grandstanding than anything from Harold. The series isn't going away. They're going to have something in place going forward. You know, for the people say, well, just don't bring the band. Yeah, it's part of it. Is is our rivalry really at the point that it's that ugly that people can't send their band? I hope not. Because that paints a terrible, terrible light of this series and what it can be. I told you my experience there that Saturday. It was great. It was so much better than the last time I'd been to Now, what did you wear to the game? I had a Hawkeye polo on. Okay. I was wearing a KXNO jacket through most of the day, though. Mm-hmm. I think I had actually this North Stars hat on. Right. And maybe that had something to do with it. Maybe it's, look at that old chubby guy walking around, and it's a little bit different than when I was in my 20s. That very well could be the case, too. But I didn't see that negativity. I knew it was there. You know what this is going to do? This is going to lead to change. Positive, Positive. change? Positive. I think you're I right. I think this is going to wake up our state. 
Which is a good thing. Yes, because that's fine. Absolutely. In pockets, this has got really negative. Yeah. It gets ugly at times. And the back and forth and that never, it's not going to sway anybody. So you make a good point on Twitter. What, you think you're going to make a Cyclone fan suddenly a Hawkeye fan or vice versa? No. Right. There's still going to be a Hawkeye or a Cyclone fan, whatever it is. Is social media behind the, the way the country has turned? It, because it seems like everybody's more pissed off. Than, like, I'm completely neutral, right? Yeah. The country's changed. This isn't the same place I moved to. Yeah. And I think probably social media has a lot to do with that. The divisiveness. Yes. I mean, the message boards for me in the late 90s and into the 2000s. That was awful. That's what changed it mm-hmm. and saw that ugliness. That's, what became, that's how I became such a Kyle McCann fan. Oh, Honest yeah? to God. Yeah. I thought, holy crap, these people who, you know, you don't even know who they are. How can mm-hmm. you, you're allegedly apparently a fan and you're taking shots like this. Now, I had way thinner skin when I first started doing this too. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, you, you developed that over the years. But I think social media is behind a lot of... I don't know. I think it's, I mean, I love Twitter. I can't get enough of it, but for the for the reasons, you know, because it's such a great tool for what we do. You know, to our conversation earlier, and this game, the importance of it here in central Iowa as opposed to you know, what it is in eastern Iowa in different pockets of the state. I don't want this series to go away. That's not what I'm saying at all. That That's not what I want to say. I think it is great for the whole state, not just central Iowa. It is a great thing. What I was trying to convey, though, more than anything is this isn't a slam dunk that it is here, that the importance of it, that things will survive. Both Iowa and Iowa State would survive without this football game. That's not what it is. But it's great for the state. It's great to have this rivalry. I think your point is right on, though. This is going to lead to positive change. Mm-hmm. And people kind of giving their head a shake and saying, you know what? Yeah, I don't like Iowa as a Cyclone fan. I don't like Iowa State as a Hawkeye fan. But they're still Iowans. They're still right. our people. They're right. still... The guys that you work with, the people that you go and you have a cold one with. Yeah, they're still two doors down. We're all in the same boat here. We're all Iowans. It doesn't have to be this negative. And, and this can lead to that positive change. I think you're exactly right. I hope so. Uh, Pollard, apparently, uh, Pollard speaking, um, you know, I saw one of his tweets and he mentioned the fact that, you know, we get it when we go over there as well. I wish you would. You could have left yeah, that part that's, out. Of that's it. not the message for right now, Jamie. No, we and then right. I, I it agree goes with without that. saying. It, it does, um, and we're not minimizing what goes over uh, in Iowa City. And hopefully, Iowa City will be the first one that uh, because they're next. They've got the game next. They will be the one that uh, uh, that we don't have any incidents like. There's always going to be a holes. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's always a holes everywhere you go. I've been an a hole myself inside the stands have as you? a fan. Yes, I've done terrible things. I've said. Awful things. Now, I've grown. I don't think I do those things anymore, but that's part of fandom. Mm -hmm. Does this take the let's have beer at these stadiums equation off the table? (laughs) Maybe moves it back a year or two. Let's slow down on that one. Or normally the sales end before the fourth quarter at the end of the third. For the Cyhawk game, we're going to end it at halftime. Something like that. That Very well could be the case. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, we shall see. Anyways, uh, the press conference is going on. It sounds like uh, Iowa State is all into committing to do their part. Uh, I, I sense some positive change. I, I really do. Um, I don't know Bruce Harold. I think he was probably, I'm with you, Trent. I think he was probably making a point and not, you know, this is the way it should have been handled. Like he's sticking up for his band because, you know, from from what I've seen, there's some band members that feel that their school did not handle this properly, that they kind of left them out on an island here. And, you know, Harold was taking them um, under their wing, uh, uh, 
that, that's kind of how I read it. Anyways, we shall see. I think it's a, I think it's a far-fetched uh, that this is going to be the impetus behind this series uh, ending or taking a hiatus or whatever. I think that... Uh, Let's cross your fingers and hope something positive comes out of that. All right, speaking of Iowa, yesterday we did Iowa State, and we got to do a redo as far as the over-under totals. Yes. Boy, Iowa was 7.5. Trent, they are so home-free. Home-free. Well, they're Middle Tennessee this week, and they're, what, three touchdown plus favorite. Yeah, 23.5. 23.5. So they're 4-0. All they've got to do is win four football games to cash that ticket. How would you like to have one of those in your pocket? That would be nice to have. Right? So at Michigan... Looks a lot different than it before. Well, you did said yesterday season. that the point spread, when they come out, the games of the year, Gold Nugget used to be first. Mm-hmm. They are no longer. I mean, everybody wants to be have that distinction now, right? And there were people in Vegas pissed off that other books had the audacity to put these numbers out before the Gold Nugget did. Really? Yeah. Everyone's trying to make a buck, right? It's- Absolutely. But so that was what, 15 you said the point spread, and now it's down to three and a half at Elite Sports? Yes, that's where it is right now. I, I'm, in fact, looking at the Golden Nugget when they released their game of the year, trying to find October 5th here as I'm scrolling through and not finding the sheet. There it is. October 5th, they had it. It was 12 when 12. the Golden Nugget had it. But other spots had it, 14 and a half. I think there might have been 15. But the buyback started, and now. Mm-hmm. At least over in Iowa. Remember, we're talking about Elite right. Sportsbook, located in eastern Iowa. Three and a half, currently the number. Now, at that point, you got a great middling opportunity if you jumped out early. Oh, I'll say. But secondly, a huge middling opportunity. Those are few and far between. Are we overreacting again on Michigan? Now, I thought the same last week with the Wisconsin game, and I was dead wrong right. on that one. Overreacting what we saw Army against Michigan. Shane Patterson has taken zero steps forward. And he might be hurt. And he is. And his backup, McCaffrey, is hurt. He's for sure hurt. He took a big lick there. You talk about throwing the guy mm-hmm. out to the wolves. You had no shot in that game. Why are you throwing McCaffrey out there? Yeah. Yeah. Shea Patterson Company, you guys made your bed. You lie. Well, here's the good thing. They have Rutgers this week before they get the Hawks, so it's kind of like a semi-bye week. But let's go back to Iowa and let's see how good they can be. Because I, having looked at this schedule trend, I think, is is the ceiling 10-2? and Because I don't think it's higher. You think 11-1 and one is still in play? I think it's still in play. But I don't know if I can go there. And I was dead wrong about Can they the beat team. Michigan? Yes. Can they beat Penn State at home? Yes. I think their one game they can't win, if I was to say right now, is Wisconsin. Completely agree. And so because of that, the seal, I, I, it's a huge stretch. It's a 2% chance of being 11-1, mm-hmm. and one, but it's still on the table. Mm-hmm. Now we're starting to see finally... Um, you know, the national writers that, that come out with their bowl projections before the season, after week one, two, three, and four, they finally moved Iowa out of the two also ran bowls in California. Well, they're no longer in the Holiday Bowl or the Red Box Bowl. I saw them back in Florida at the Tax Slayer. I think our buddy Bill Yuck. Bender, who will join us tomorrow, has them playing. I don't remember who. Uh, maybe Florida. I don't recall. But anyways, out of the out of the two California destinations, I think ten and, ten and two is absolutely on the table. And it wouldn't be a huge stretch. This isn't pulling upsets and that type of thing to get to ten and two. It's playing the football we've seen the first three mm-hmm. weeks, and they get to ten and two. I'd say the losses are Wisconsin and Michigan. Yeah. What's more likely, loss to Michigan or home for Penn State? Michigan's been bad. Uh, maybe Penn State. It might be. It might be. This Look, Penn State it, team's a lot better than I thought they were. Well, going their to be. offense is good. Clifford, their quarterback mm-hmm. is. Um, we, we didn't know how we good. And they're really good defensively. Well, we knew that. We thought that was going to be the case. It was offense. Here's the thing. Here's where we. I think we 
not just maybe not you, but where I was wrong on Iowa, and I probably say this about a lot of teams in the Big Ten West. I thought there was a whole bunch of good teams in the Big Ten West. There's not. There's mm, not. No. Minnesota's average. Yes. Purdue is maybe a cut below below average. average. Northwestern. Northwestern is bad right now, and I know it's product of their schedule. Illinois is maybe a little bit better. But they're still seventh in this but division. But they're still seventh in the division. Wisconsin is way better than we thought. Mm-hmm. I was better than I thought that they were going to be. Nebraska, what are they at this point? They're a 7-5 and five team. And a 7-5 and five team can beat you, especially when you have to go to Lincoln. Mm-hmm. But they're not the behemoth that some people right. this summer wanted to make them out to they're be. They're not a top 10 team. And that's why I, we saw a lot of top 10 Nebraska love this year. And we were talking about throw the six teams in the hat outside of Illinois. And, and pull pick one out. any of them. No, there's two. There's two, right. And really, there might be one. No, i got to leave Iowa in. I'm not pulling Iowa's chip out of the hat. Got to go to Camp Randall. I know. I was won once against the I Badgers know. the last seven times. Mm-hmm. And they needed... Joel Stave to get his foot stepped on for that to happen. No, it's easier said than done. You got to make Jack Cohen try to beat you through the air, right? Uh, Everybody has that game plan, <laughs> and it never works. The offensive line for Wisconsin. I mean, it's they just you know they lose guys, but they just plug guys in. What's the old boxing adage? Everybody's got a game plan until, until they get, get punched in the, in the face. face. Yeah. Right. Uh, Zuma Mahente joins the program next. We will keep you apprised on what's going on in the press conference. If any other uh, worthwhile nuggets come out of them, we will pass those along to you. Trent and I are here until noon. Uh, Murph and Andy, I'm sure we'll do a lot on what's going on. Uh, Jamie Pollard, our, inve- our university investigated this to the fullest, and Chief Newton will explain that. Chief Newton, of course, from the Iowa City uh, Police Department, he's there, so they've looked into it. They couldn't find anything. Ames or... Police Department. I thought it was Iowa State. Oh, is it Iowa I think City? it's the Iowa No, Iowa State, I beg your pardon. Okay. I think it's the Iowa State gotcha. Chief of Police, Michael Newton. Um so we'll see. We'll come back with uh, Zuba Mahente, Miller & Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460. No. It's 24-hour sports, morning, noon, and night, here on 1460 KXNO. All right, welcome back. Miller and Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Just one more nugget that uh, was posted on Twitter during the break. Jamie Pollard said, Iowa State officials suggested to the Iowa band that they leave the stadium through east exits. Iowa ultimately chose to go west through the construction area where thousands of fans were still trying to leave the stadium. So it's Iowa's fault they, the band members were assaulted. Is that what Jamie Pollard's trying to say? Well, that's how some people didn't take it clearly. I wonder who, he, who did he suggest it to? I mean, I'll not the symbol player or... <laughs> right, yeah. Um, hey, tuba man. <laughs> right. Go this way. Hey, I got an idea. When you guys leave, uh, I, I don't know, the uh, that uh, is not explained in the tweet, but yeah, that's not the best look. Mm-mm. But... Say we should have done more, we'll do better going forward. That's the way to approach it, right? That's should be. the way to approach it. Both sides are not putting their best foot forward, it doesn't feel like. No, either. it really doesn't. Some are. Uh, Wendy Winterstein did a nice job. Yeah. Uh, Zubin Mahente does a nice job when he joins us each and every Tuesday. This one will be no different. Hello, Zubin. Trent and Ken, how are you? I was just telling Trent, why not just cancel the game and end all... No! <laughs> Don't even say those words. <laughs> I don't want that to happen, Zubin. Look, it's still, I mean, here we are, how many days later, right? Or in, I don't even remember who won the game. I remember which band was assaulted, or allegedly. <laughs> uh, but no, I remember who won the game. But isn't that strange that this is how we're going to remember this game? Not for the delay, not for game day being there, 
Um, all, all of the positives about it. This is how we're going to remember the 2019 edition. Anyways, let's move on. Uh, we talked to Frank Schwab, and one of the topics we brought up to him, and I'm wondering if this is a topic inside the four-letter network, just how many awful NFL teams there are this early in the season. Zubin, I love the league. I can't remember it being... You know, there being more than a handful of teams that absolutely have no chance. Sure, they're going to win some games, but have no chance in a league where parity reigns. Uh, there's some bad football teams. No doubt about it. I think Miami is obviously the team everybody's focusing on, but you're right. If you just sort of take one kick up from that, you look at it and say there's some extenuating circumstances with Pittsburgh. You look at it and say there's some extenuating circumstances with the Jets injury-wise. And with the Broncos, it's Funny, Kenny, I know they're your team. Yesterday, I, I don't run into him very often anymore because our schedules don't match. Um, but I saw Trey Wingo in the hallway yesterday. I think he had just finished taping NFL primetime. And he knows I'd worked in Denver for a long time. And I walked down the hallway and he said, what's going on with your Bronco? And I said, no sack. And then he yelled at me. He goes, no takeaway. And that was, that was the end of the conversation. It was very <laughs> odd. We just passed each other in the, in the night like two shifts. And that was just one of the teams then you look at it and say, how can you have a guy that's essentially won you a Super Bowl and basically have a clone of that guy in right. Bradley Chubb and have Vic Fangio, who is said to be the best defensive mind in the league, and if that team can't do anything on the side of the ball in which they are stacked the most, you look at it and say, who can really do anything at the bottom? You saw Washington yesterday. Maybe they took a step closer to realizing they need to turn the page. And you really look at other teams, too, and I don't want to take anything away from the Buffalo Bills. They're 3-0, but we're about to find out how good the 3-0 Buffalo Bills are. The Detroit Lions are 2-0-1, and those two teams respectively are facing, I think, the Pats and the Chiefs this weekend. So in addition to the bad teams, we might have some good teams that we realize aren't really good. Big litmus test for those two Sundays. Zubin, we're three weeks into the new pass interference rule where you can go oh. back and look at it. It has slowed down the game offensive pass interference what did you see it just on and on and on i don't like it what nope. are you seeing what's the perspective you're getting i think what's going to end up happening is it's one of those things where i think they're going to start calling it less and less i think because it's a new rule they're calling it more and more the option to have it reviewed is much larger than it was before obviously because now you can call it for pi or non-pi either side of the ball so i think it's one of those situations where we're just sort of getting another rule that can be implemented and that sort of means people are going to take the risk on it. I think you saw in the preseason there was actually a moment uh, where Sean McVay had said he was just throwing him just to see what would happen. I mean, he even had a clear indication that ah, there's no way that's going to go our way. I'm going to throw it, though, because I have no idea what the word egregious or clear and obvious, because I think it's been pretty obvious to us. Clear and obvious means one thing to you and one thing to the official. So Al Riveron, who's the head of the officiating, has had a lot of nightmares, obviously, the overall number of flags has been high. But I think what you're going to see throughout the course of the season is you're going to see a slow, slow drip of those going away. But I do think it stands to reason. I'll just give you an anecdotal example. I was just on vacation, and I turned on the Eagles-Falcons game, and it really did feel like, and I was just coming into it cold, it just felt like every other play was a flag. It just yeah. felt like that. Obviously, that wasn't the case. And that's something they're going to have to obviously think about. Obviously, you saw the overall number of flags, not counting that specific situation trend, has actually gone down after being very high in week one mm-hmm. and week two. So I think people are just overeager at the start like they are on anything, and I think it'll probably regress to the mean, uh, but it has been noticeable. 
Uh, Zubin, let's switch gears, and there is a continuing, I guess continuing, because it's resurfacing again, maybe that's a better way to put it, the college basketball scandal, which was adjudicated in the courts, now it's being adjudicated by the NCAA, and they are dropping the hammer, and, and we don't know how far it's going to go, uh, will, will it get to Duke, will it get to North Carolina, Kansas is a blue blood, uh, and they had the hammer dropped on them, at least they were notified uh, that it's coming their way, Arizona seems likely uh, friends to our West, Creighton, with what went on over there, they were uh, involved in this. Zubin, I'm torn as a fan. As a fan, I like the way they're doing business. I do. And, I, and I'm not naive to think that this isn't going on at a majority of the schools. Some of it just do more so, I think, than probably uh, some of the others. Uh, how deep is this going to go? The NCAA seems to... You know, they're now going to take their pound of flesh, and apparently everything is on the table, including going after some of the biggest schools in college basketball. I think this is counterintuitive. For example, if you said to me, if the NCAA is investigating a school or the FBI is investigating a school, who should be more scared? Should the school be more scared of the NCAA or the FBI? And on the surface, when all of this broke a couple of years ago, I would have said, obviously, the FBI. The FBI has subpoena power. The FBI has the law on their side, (laughs) whether the NCAA is just an organizational body. But I think it's fair to say, Ken, as crazy as this sounds, these schools should be more scared of the NCAA. Because if you remember a couple years ago when they had that big press conference in the Southern District of New York with all the wiretapping, and the assistant U.S. district attorney or somebody like that (laughs) stood up and said, very famously, you guys remember this quote? We have your playbook, right? Mm -hmm. And you tell me, to this point, who has paid the price for that? Nobody. No one. Except Rick Pitino. Yeah, Rick Pitino, right? And you could argue there's no evidence against Rick Pitino. In the trial, everybody basically testified that Pitino had no idea what was going on. Now, that may have been naive, but these guys were on the stand. Pitino's always maintained that. He's the only one that paid the price for his job. Sean Miller just put together one of the best recruiting classes in America. How does that work, right? I mean, right. Arizona is under a huge cloud. They just lost Brandon Williams. They have a great young kid. I was talking to Greenberg. I ran into him yesterday. Um, they have a great young kid named Nico Mannion that they're super excited about, uh, that he's going to be an incoming freshman. And their class is absolutely stacked and loaded. Dana Altman's class is stacked and loaded. And these guys are right here in the thick of it. I don't think at the end of the day the average fan cares. I think our analytics and research say the fans don't care. They just want to watch the games, which is pretty much the case in any sport where there's controversy. But I do believe, Ken, when you look back at this, if the NCAA ends up hammering Kansas or somebody else uh, with a you know a ban or restriction, scholarships, probation, whatever, if these are level one violations, and we knew over the summer six schools were going to get these, and one of them obviously ended up being Kansas, I think at the end of the day we're going to say, wow, the quote-unquote weak NCAA, which had no power to do anything, that backed off in North Carolina, that didn't do anything to the Tar Heels, they ended up being more dangerous to these blue bloods than the FBI, which basically, with all of their investigatory power, resources, funds, agents, did nothing. Zoom been over to college football and game day. The excitement we had two weeks ago with it coming to Ames, heading out to Lincoln. <laughs> Three touchdowns, nearly the point spread of this one. Not exactly a great slate of games. 
if there was ever a week to do something different, go a little funky as we've seen in the past. Fargo, baby. Yeah, might might be this one. Fargo plenty of times, but boy, not a great slate of college football. Got to be difficult for the guys to come to a decision when you get a slate like this. Yeah, I mean, I think we can always look at it from the standpoint of trying to say this is Scott Frost's biggest game to date at Nebraska. I don't think it really matters. I think the way Justin Fields and Ryan Day have played, it may not be much of a game. But I think for a huge generation of fans, again, you know, I think, Ken, you're in your 60s, right? Trent, you and I are about the same age. This is just another opportunity to remind a bunch of people that, you know, in week zero, yes, Jaron Williams got sacked 10 times, but mm-hmm. young kids, believe it or not, Miami used to be good. <laughs> and, um, this is another example with Nebraska. There's a huge generation of people that don't know who Tommy Frazier or Eric Crouch or any of Tom Osborne or any of these Lawrence Phillips, the late Lawrence Phillips, they have no idea who any of these people are. And a game day does do a good job in some ways, as you guys saw with your, you know, Cyhawk Trophy story or just the story of the rivalry, taking you inside both programs if programs are unfamiliar to people. Now, I think Iowa and Iowa State cross a different threshold with the national level than, say, does Nebraska, because anybody of age realizes how great Nebraska is. But there's some great stories this week. One thing you might see this weekend, um, I don't know if you guys caught this, on Sunday, it's a really cool story. Scott Frost and his father, Larry, both obviously played in Nebraska. I'm sure most of us remember Scott. Um, they both played in Nebraska. And on Sunday, after the Illinois win, the day after, they were inducted into the Nebraska High School Sports Hall of Fame, which is not a surprising thing. But the cool part is, uh, in 1996, their mother, Carol, or Scott's mother, Carol, joined. She was an Olympian discus in 1968 in Mexico City. So mom, dad, and Scott are now in the Nebraska High School Sports Hall of Fame. And what makes it cool is, I don't know if they're going to do this, but in high school, you guys may be aware of this, in high school, Scott was coached by his father, Larry, who was the high school coach at Wood River, Nebraska, before he uh, went to Stanford and came back to Nebraska. And the wide receivers coach was his mom. What? (laughs) They're looking at doing some cool things with the Scott Frost family and what the family means to the state of Nebraska. After all, mom actually made the Hall of Fame 23 years before Scott Frost in the state. She's got bragging rights. No doubt. She might be the best. She was an Olympian. Yeah. So, um, so you might see some sort of things like that. So I agree with you, Trent. It's not the best. Uh, you know, I'm actually looking forward to the Rutgers mission. No, I'm kidding. But it's one of those things where um, I think you're going to see a little bit of the flavor of Nebraska highlighted this weekend. And that may be old hat to me and you, but to a lot of people, it's brand new. Subin, I talked a little bit about this yesterday, just that I never thought I would see two legends, icons, um, in Jim Harbaugh in Ann Arbor with Michigan, and John Elway in the, in the city of Denver, where, and you lived there, and you know how, just how big, uh, John Elway is, and I mean, he could do no wrong, right? He's got a car dealership seemingly on every corner, um, you know, the, the Super Bowls that he led them to, he built the team, took them back to two Super Bowls, won one, lost one, uh, to Seattle. But, but John Elway falling out of favor in Denver, and Jim Harbaugh likewise in Ann Arbor. Which one of those two legends is in more trouble, uh, in their respective places? It's tough to say. I would just say in a game-to-game basis, you know, Harbaugh wipes the floor with Rutgers this week, gets back on track. They've got some tough-ranked opponents, as you know, obviously, with Iowa on deck. You look at it and say, well, you know, it's probably easier to say Harbaugh can turn it just because it feels like they have the ability to go toe-to-toe with everybody on their schedule if they play the way they're capable. If Donovan Peoples-Jones stands up at their defense, Don Brown can rediscover themselves. Maybe they just have to pass on Shea Patterson and just go with McCaffrey now. On the surface, you say, if Michigan comes full bore, 
they can play with Iowa. They can play with Penn State. They can play with Michigan State. They had one awful, terrible performance that I wouldn't say is indicative of who they are. So on the surface, Ken, the easy answer, I think, is Michigan because I think they're much more closely aligned to play with the rest of their competition, say, than Denver is to play against the teams that are left on their schedule. Like, is Denver going to go into Kansas City or host Kansas City and win? However, if you ask me that question on the surface, I'd say Jim Harbaugh because one game and the scholarships and everything they have can even the floor much easily. But you know as well as I do, uh, Elway's the biggest force in Colorado, yeah. I mean, period. I mean, he's bigger than the governor. He's bigger than the head coach. Right. He's bigger than Shanahan. He's bigger than anybody. So my ultimate answer would be Elway. Even though I think he's in a much bigger hole than Jim Harbaugh, I think his roster is going to have a much difficult time matching up with the opposition than Harbaugh's would if they all play to their full capability. I think the answer is John Elway because I think he's in a much bigger hole than Jim is. But I also know what a figure John Elway is. And, and this is obvious, and this just needs to be pointed out. Um, you know, if, if one of the greatest quarterbacks in the history of the NFL could figure out how to pick a quarterback, they wouldn't be <laughs> this fine. Um, it sounds like a you know, clear statement, but mm-hmm. you've got Trevor Simeon, Paxton Lynch. Brock Osweiler. Brock Osweiler. Some of these guys are out of the league. Never mind being right. like on practice squads or backups. Some of these guys are out of the league. So I'm going to pick Harbaugh's in more trouble, even though I think Elway has a bigger hole to climb out of. What does it say about the Michigan program? You know, they always kind of had this in the background as they went from Rich Rod to Brady Hoke, and now today Harbaugh was always there. Well, we can always go back and get Harbaugh and be our guy. Now they got him. And maybe this is just the level of Michigan football. Does it say something? Michigan's won one national title, 1997, over the last 50-plus years. That Maybe the Michigan job isn't quite as good as some people think that it is. Definitely fair to say that, Trent. I mean, the numbers are right there. You can tell me that the all-time winning is program, but that's like saying, Miami's up there, Nebraska's up there. So what have you done for me lately, business? And, Trent, you're stretching back like 50 years. If we went 20, that'd be something. But what have you done for me lately in that regard? Now, look, I mean, Jim Harbaugh is basically a 10-win coach. You could bank it. And as an Iowa State fan that's listening, if you told me, look, no matter what happens, we had a couple embarrassing blowouts. We don't show up one week. We've got a quirky coach. Things are going to happen. But we're probably going to win 10 games every year he's here. I'm pretty sure every Cyclone fan would take it. And, frankly, Trent, you can answer I'm pretty sure every Hawkeye fan would take it if you no doubt. you can bank 10 wins, mm-hmm. right? Yes. We may not really be in, you know, we may not win the division, which means we can't get to the championship game, which means we can't get to the playoffs. But then again, maybe 2015 happens, and every once in a while it happens for us. But you can put us down for 10. And right now, basically, if you're a Michigan fan, you can put you down for 10. But guess what? I think Bo Pelini won about nine games every year in Nebraska, and that didn't turn out so well. So it's the fans' expectations that are there. I will say this. And this is something I think Jim has to take a long, hard look at. Don Brown, I think, again, you know, most Mm -hmm. schools in America, Don Brown could be your defensive coordinator. He's got an amazing reputation. I'll take it. Look at Michigan's last seven games and the point totals the opposition has put up. Don Brown, I don't know if he's lost his touch or just something has happened. And then obviously, you know, he's handed over the reins of the offense to a guy named Josh Gaddis who came from Alabama that had never called plays. That Nick Saban didn't want to keep, that passed over. Right. right. What does that tell you? Something right. is there, right? And so you look at me and say, look, this is his fifth year. This is a big-time year. You've got a defensive coordinator that's lost his touch and an offensive coordinator in an offensive game that has never called plays before, and you're asking for patience because it's his first year. Um, it's, it's a tough spot. So I think, obviously, ultimately everything falls on Jim, which he clearly said Saturday, and he clearly reiterated on Monday. Um, but at the end of the day, he's got to look at some of his lieutenants and say, do I have the right people in place here? Mm. 
Zuma, my last thing for you. You can have Clemson and Alabama or the field to win the national championship. I think before the season, if we would have put that out there, everybody would have been jumping on the Clemson, Alabama. Now, they very, they still may end up being right. But other than, I don't think it's such a foregone conclusion, Zubin, I guess is where I'm going at this point of the season, that it's going to be Clemson and Alabama that hoist the national championship trophy. I would think on the surface, when you look at the way teams like Georgia have played, and especially like a team like LSU that certainly looks like they have an offense under Joe Brady, I would look at it and say, maybe I'm going to open it up a little bit. But I'm still going to go with Alabama and Clemson. I think Alabama's playing with an incredible chip. Tua right now, I think I heard Tebow say the other day, is the best player in the country. I would agree. I know Burrow has put up some unbelievable Mm -hmm. numbers to this point. I would still go Tua. And I think with Clemson, I think we're just dealing with unrealistic expectations. I mean, I understand that Trevor Lawrence is throwing like four picks, and he five picks, and he threw like that many all of last year. But right now we're putting Trevor Lawrence up against the perfect standard. Trevor Lawrence should just be in the NFL. Trevor Lawrence should just sit out. And when you start doing that to people, you know, we did it to Matt Leinert a little over a decade ago. It would have been the first overall pick, decides to go back, loves college. We picked holes in him. He ends up playing or getting drafted 10th. Didn't have a great NFL career. But, again, that's the guy that everybody had pegged for stardom. And then when he came back, there was just unrealistic, superb, perfect, 100% expectation put on him. There's no way he was going to be able to match that. And I think a little over a decade later, Trevor Lawrence is dealing with that. I don't think he's any less of a quarterback than he was a year ago, which is why I think people are moving more teams into the field argument. It's just we've put a standard of excellence and perfection on him that nobody, especially somebody his age, despite how bad the ACC is outside of Clemson, nobody's going to be able to reach the bar we've put him at. And so I think we're putting him at an unfair standard. And as a result, people are kind of poo-pooing Clemson just, just a touch because they feel like, Lawrence doesn't look like the quarterback that he was a year mm-hmm. ago, whereas I would argue last year he was a true freshman, so we basically didn't have any standards for him. Anything he did would be great, and now we put Herculean standards on him. So I would still take Alabama or Clemson because I think when you look at it in the long run from the 10,000-foot view, they are still the two most dominant programs. And until LSU beats Alabama or does something they haven't done since 2011 or until Georgia learns how to beat Alabama, which they haven't been able to do the last two times, there's no way I can pick those two teams. I love the fact that somebody is elbowing their way into the discussion. Me too. I think that's great, but there's no way right now I can pick those teams knowing the history against this version of Clemson and Alabama. Hmm. Good luck to Rutgers over Michigan, your alma mater. Take down those mighty Wolverines. Soften them up before the Hawks get them in two weeks. Take the over and uh, take Michigan. <laughs> <laughs> Zuba, we'll talk to you in seven days. Thank you. Take care, guys. Good to talk to you. Zuma Mahente from ESPN. You get the same offer. Clemson, Alabama, or the field? Clemson, Alabama. You're still taking them, huh? Yeah. I think I'd take the field. You would? I think I would. I think I think I like the... Oh, no, I don't think I like the fact... I love the fact that this conversation actually makes you think a little bit, because in... Well, maybe you're not there yet, I'm but not May, yet. June, July, it was, well, it's going to be these two again. I'm still there. Here we go again. We're going to see this game again. Ohio State's better. LSU is better. Georgia's good. Oklahoma. Don't forget our friends in the. Don't forget about our friends in Norman. But you got to win two. Yeah, got to win two. I know. So did Clemson and, and maybe Alabama. Maybe you have to beat those teams twice.
to win a national championship. Good, you could. Yeah, that could be the path. Boy, would that be called earning it? Or what? You beat Alabama you in the semi, seed, yeah, and then and you come be, back and pick off Clemson, and that's why it makes it more difficult in my mind. That's an excellent point. That's a very good point. Um, boy, you would have earned it if you got there. Oh, yes. Last thing, as the press conference is wrapping up, Jamie Pollard in closing says he needs information if more happen. Need the vec- victims to step up and report. It's critical that we need to address that. We're 12 days past the event and nothing has been reported to law enforcement or to us. It's, not, it's true. Yes. They, if they, if they're going to investigate something, give them something to investigate. Uh, it's uh, That part of the day is over in Ames. The Matt Campbell press conference coming up. A uh, quarter before the hour of noon, I'm sure Murphy and Andy will have a whole lot more on this as they were at least had uh, a presence, WHO did. Uh, in Ames for that. Fanatics at four, and both of the Fanatics will be in studio today. Ross is back from his fishing trip. Miller and Condon, final segment coming up. Des Moines Sports Station, 1460. XNO. Joined by Dr. Stephen Fuller. Doc, what are the dangers of not keeping up with your dental hygiene? Number one disease is tooth decay and bone loss and tooth loss is uh, when you go along that route that increases the expenses. What about as we get older? How important is it to continue our hygiene? Oh, it's very important because uh, the first part of digestion is chewing properly with our teeth and that basically continues on troubles down into your stomach and intestinal area. FullerDental.net 2822 East 29th and 410 8th Street Southwest KXNO in your pocket with iHeartRadio on your smartphone. This is Des Moines Sports Station 1460 KXNO Hi, right, welcome back. Miller and Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. You know, what should be a really good final week of Major League Baseball? Yeah. All the divisions are decided. There isn't a whole There's lot nothing. there. I mean, the Brewers aren't catching the Redbirds. They're just No. Not. It's three and a half. They're fighting Washington to host the wildcard game. Yeah, for the Brewers you're talking yes, about. Yeah. Right. Cubs are out. Cubs are out, no doubt. But but normally, I, I mean, I can't recall where every division has been determined going into the final week. And I say that because for us, Tuesday, Wednesday are back to baseball night. Right. Trent, you know what I'm going to do tonight? Are you going to be watching an Oakland or a Tampa game? No. Well, I could, but I'd, I'd choose not to. Okay. Tampa have the Yanks, right? Yes, they do. Yeah, yeah. Uh, no, I'm going to watch just because I want to see them before they put the equipment away one more time. I haven't seen the Blue Jays in months. Oh, Okay. So I might watch them just because I like to see them one more time before they go. Who's pitching? Some guy I never heard of. Anthony <laughs> King. Um, but there's nothing out there. So I was looking at the schedule. There are two games you can get into. A Major League Baseball game for 2 bucks. For $2. $2 is the get-in price in New York. Really? City Field. Well, it's the it's the Marlins and the Mets. Okay. That, that's a deuce. But you get to see Syndergaard. Uh, and he pitches tonight, right. But $2 will also get you in to see the Boston Red Sox. And the Texas Rangers, they get set to close that stadium. But that's crazy. Two bucks. There's no drama left in the final week. Can we skip forward? A, let's skip past this Metal Tennessee game because I don't care. <laughs> I want to see I win the Big Ten. Um no, like we haven't seen him for a week, so it'll be nice to see him again. But you right. know, what? I mean, come on, this isn't the week for you, is what you're no, saying? No, you not. want to talk more about the band? No, I'll talk about Middle Tennessee. State. Okay, okay, <laughs> I, I figured as much. Yeah, I figured gladly. as much. And Iowa State, their matchup with Baylor, and this thing, we're at Tuesday now. We are a couple minutes away from finish up the show. We have a touchdown on the Bears. This is a huge matchup. Huge. Said yesterday, if I could only watch one game, because uh, Bama took the, the other game. I'm interested in this game. I've, yes. I mean, it goes back to, now Matt Rule saying all the right things. 
There's no animosity there between Matt Campbell and mm-hmm. I. It was a spirit, and it was. It was. It got a little nasty. I mean, the oh, cops yeah. were on the field for crying out loud. You never see that in, a, in the middle of a football game. Mm-hmm. Not at the end, not at halftime, in the middle of the game. Doesn't happen. Never happens. It was, it was nasty. I mean, David Montgomery was in the middle of it. Ejected. Ejected. Right. David Montgomery. Where many people consider one of the nicest football players of the world. Right. Got ejected. Gets tossed in the football game. So this has got some juice, no doubt about it, because the Big 12 in the middle. You put Texas in the middle. Texas in the middle. Do you, do you take them off that or the one line where, or the top line with I Oklahoma? I think Oklahoma's their own tier. I do too. And then is Texas their own tier, though? No, I don't. No, Oklahoma State, Trent, if it would have, should have. Yeah. And Sanders, a hell of a player. Made a couple of mistakes early. One uh-huh. of those interceptions was bad. Yeah. But, boy, he's tough to bring down. Yes, he he's is. He's a pain in the ass for the next three or four years. And he certainly doesn't look like a redshirt freshman, does he? No, he's a big dude. Yeah, he's a big dude, and he's got the facial hair. Mm-hmm. and He looks all of 38. And he, he's not 19. That's true. And he's not looking to go down either. No, When he's got the all. ball, he's looking to make the whoever's trying to get him on the ground pay for it a little bit. We'll know yeah. more about K-State after this week with Oklahoma State. Yeah. That's the ESPN Plus tilt. Will Iowa State get filtered over there at oh, some I'm point? Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. Won't that stink? Well, well it's just going to speed up the, the timeline. I mean, everybody's yeah. going to have it eventually, as we talked about yesterday. It's six bucks. Six bucks a month. It's where it's going. It's where it's going. Uh, you started the show by saying you're getting ready to cut the cord. Getting Yeesh. there. Well, enjoy baseball tonight if you can find a game to get into. I'll be watching the Twinkies. What I'm excited about for tomorrow, David Kaplan's going to join us. That should be spirited. I mean, we'll On do some fire. bears, but uh, I'm sure it's been his show's been appointment radio. Speaking of which, Sore Murph and Andy and the Fanatics, and they come your way this afternoon. Morning Rush tomorrow at 6. See you then, 1460 KXNO.